Absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about homesteading. Ooh, homesteading. Okay. Now, All right. Disclaimer: You are not looking at two pros here. <laughs> not in the slightest. I, I think we'd probably be classified oh, as hobbyists at this point. That's right. We're not exactly professional homesteaders. We're not. No. I haven't pulled out the demo saw on any uh, you know pork <laughs> that I've been raising. Not yet. Not yet. But. Even though we are, I think at this point, hobbyists, I have a goal. We have Ooh. goals. Tell me, what's the goal? People that know me know that I, I do everything with plans. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this is my goal for, um, you know, this, you know, small foray into the homesteading world. Mm. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, for one, one goal is it's fun. And yeah. I enjoy it, and it's something my kids and I get to do. I mean, it is something fun. And, and I tell you what, when you are on this little adventure and you're quarantined at home, right. you still have plenty to do. Right. Plenty That's to do. That's right. That's right. So, sure, first and foremost, fun, enjoyment. But um, think about it this way. We always talk at Christchurch about um, Christ being Lord of our finances, Right. And obeying Christ as it pertains to finances. And he has a lot to say. You know, tithe, free will offerings, emergency funds, right? Right. Um, preparing for the future, short-term, long-term, having margins so that you can you share with those in need. Christ has a lot to say about household finances. Mm. He has a lot to say about, um, you know, civil finances, how mm. a government raises its resources. Right. Lots to say about that. Right. But if you, if you take that train of thought that... We need to have an emergency fund mm-hmm. to prepare for economic crises in the future. Right. If you take that thought just a little bit further and say, one of the ways that I can be prepared for the future for an emergency is by developing certain skills, mm. certain mm-hmm. trades. Ooh. You see what I'm saying? Now, <laughs> you and I both, uh, you especially are a bivocational pastor. Right. You've got skills. Bow staff skills, nunchuck skills. skills. Yes, that's for all the Gen Xers out there. Little Napoleon Dynamite reference. You've got skills. You know, you have uh, video skills, editing skills, marketing skills. These skills have allowed you to be less fragile Mm. during economic times. Sure. a church might not be able to, to support a pastor, mm. but a, a pastor who has what, what is commonly called tent-making skills right. can right. support himself to some degree. Right. All the, you know, honestly, all the pastors of Christ Church are in some ways bivocational and developing other skills. Right. They got tents. They're making tents somewhere right. or another. And, and, and learning how to. I, I, uh, I started off in the ministry as a Christian school teacher. Mm. Making $15,000 a year. Big money, baby. Just ima- imagine <laughs> <Big> that. <money. laughs> so from the very beginning of my call into ministry, I've been developing skills to be able to make income in other places. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I say often, I can swing a hammer if I need to. Right. Um, right. So we've, this is kind of something we've always thought about, being less fragile by having skills developed to prepare for downturns. Mm-hmm. It also, as a pastor, allows you the freedom to say what you want and what you need to say and what God has called you to say. Yeah. Because you know where to find the locusts and you know how to skin camels. 
<laughs> so what you're saying is we're about to be in the wilderness a little bit here. Well, no, I, no, I don't think so. This is mostly fun. But as a pastor, you want to be free to preach the word of God. That's right. You don't want the deacon's wives telling you what to say and what not to say. That's right. You don't want people holding your paycheck over your head all the time. And saying, if you preach this particular passage of scripture, then you can't work here anymore. And I promise you, pastors go through this. Oh, yeah. We've got pastors on staff who have lost their jobs because they've preached certain texts. Absolutely. So Not with us. We so you say see, that out just kind of like thinking in this space through analogy, when you have certain skills, you are more prepared... Mm-hmm. for the ups and downs of life. Right. Um, right. So like having an emergency fund, it's important, I think, to have emergency skills. Some and people might call this like a side hustle. Side hustles? Mm-hmm. But if there's certain skills that translate um, well no matter what. Mm-hmm. There's certain what we, you know, essential skills. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That it's helpful to have. In case um, you can't make money teaching the Bible, for example. Right. Teaching the Bible is not a marketable skill. Right. Right. Fortunately, God has provided for pastors through the tithe. Right. And through the organization of local churches. Right. But outside of God's organization and and his means for providing for his, his pastors. Right. Bible teaching is not marketable in the public square. Right. Well, and church planting in its rawest form almost like demands that you go for a season with no or a very small paycheck in order to get it off the ground. Absolutely. You know, we, uh, Christchurch started with no income. Right. And then, uh, it wasn't after, even Christchurch, was it? It was Acadian, uh, Acadian Baptist Church. Because that was what was on the sign already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up at the at the little rental building, and there was a sign already there. It was a, apparently a three thousand dollar. It wasn't neon, but it was tacky like neon. <laughs> it was a brightly lit Acadian Baptist Church, and I thought to myself, I hate that name. <laughs> but we can't afford to change I, it. <laughs> and the part I hated was the Acadian. I, I didn't. I wouldn't mind Acadiana Baptist Church. Right. I just hated that there was an ethnic name at the front of my church. You know, it was like. A, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing wrong, but, uh, <laughs> right. but it just was kind of like a little narrow for what I was trying to do. And the reason that sign was there is because there was a French speaking Acadian church there in the building before us. Mm. And mm. so, but looking at that sign and seeing how much would it cost to put a sign up? It's like, Ooh, I guess we're Acadian Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's so right. You know, all of this to say my goal in quote-unquote homesteading. I don't even think what I'm doing yet would be considered that yet. Um, But my goal is to develop skills Hmm. that translate to just about any situation. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And even more importantly, my goal is to translate those skills to my children. Now, it would be amazing if um, my great-grandfather were still alive. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Talk about a wealth of knowledge. Right. My great-grandfather, he lived in the hills of uh, Arkansas. Mm. And the tales that I'm told are that because he had a farm and he had land, he was able and, in fact, did support many people throughout the Great Depression. Mm. He had cattle. He had, um, you know, donkeys or, I guess, something like that to pull wagons. And I, I have vague memories of him as a child, but he was a man 
And he knew how to turn land into food mm. and land into income yeah, my and grand- land into charity. Right. My grandfather, too. My mom. So, like, just to give you all context, I am so country that my mother remembers the day when they got electricity at her house. Like, when the lights turned and they flipped the switch like you, this. You said your great-grandmother, right? <laughs> no, my mom. Like, my mom. At one time, I showed somebody where our family property was in the woods, and they were like, where is that? <laughs> where are you near? But my grandfather, he had farms. They had chickens that they raised they had all kinds of stuff and he went in the woods with a firearm and whatever he came out with at the end of the dinner. day that was dinner wow. whatever it was that's a man right there I mean, that's a man prepared for right. ups and downs of right. life that's right that's right and he had that land and my mom would still tell me the story that he would sit his kids down in his lap and he would show them the property and he'd hold his hands over the property and he'd say, see, when I die, these are all the pieces that are going to be left for you. Hmm. Like, that's legacy stuff right, right there, man. I, I want to do the same thing for my kids one day. Unfortunately, a lot of that land has been turned into what we call developments. Right. And um, so, you know, that makes it difficult. But that's my main goal. One of two. Two main goals is to develop skills in case of emergencies Mm -hmm. that I can hand down to my children and have fun doing it. We have the the wealth and the leisure and the freedom in our country now to do these things and to make them fun Mm -hmm. in the time being. Right. Um, But but we've – this is sort of a journey because I don't have a a coach. You know, I don't have my great-grandfather with me. Right. We're right. learning as we go, which is why this is not only funny, but it's not only fun, but it's funny. Mm, mm-hmm. It's a, a little slapstick, in fact, because I'm, you know, learning things um, without a coach, and uh, you know, things that I can read in books and pick right. up from here and there. Right. And so, so like, what are some of the things you got going already? What's some stuff you have happening on your homestead? The Neely Homestead. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would not call it that yet <laughs> because it's just so pretentious. And a real homesteader would come and just, you know. Make fun of you. Oh, oh that's cute. Wow, yeah. I, I would be embarrassed to even bring one around because half the time I looked like an idiot. So yesterday, I, I'm building this, uh, basically, this stall for my cattle. Well, it did not go well. Really? I got them in that stall, <laughs> and, uh, and after they busted around and crashed around and r- rolled out the back end, I thought, I need to beef that up tomorrow, you know, <laughs> pun intended. Um, and and then the day, two days before, I'm capturing a swarm. We have a few hives, and they swarm this time of year. Honey I'm capturing bees. a swarm, yeah. and I was stung in my hands. I, don't even, I lost count. At some point. Really? And, um, you know, my wife, when she gets stung, she her swells up. And I'm always, like, you know, bragging. <laughs> because you're That my you're body fine. can handle <laughs> this. But I'll tell you what, that night my hands swole up so big. I looked like <laughs> Professor Glump in that old Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it hurts so bad. So it's, it's just fun, but it's also just like straight-up slapstick comedy, some of the n- nonsense going on out there. <laughs> but awesome. my goal is I want to learn these skills. Right. And I want my children to learn them. Mm-hmm. And if it's only just fun for the rest of my life and their life, that's fine. Right. But, but it does, you know, provide... Uh, a wealth of, of knowledge of how to do stuff mm-hmm. makes you less fragile. 
Right. I think if, if my son grows up to be a preacher, if he does, he'll be less fragile. He'll be more free to preach the word of God because he knows how to turn land into, into food right. or land into money. Well, and just He in knows like how to do stuff. A hundred years ago in the 1920s, I, I shared an article on my feed not too long ago about how the government was saying you owe Uncle Sam the responsibility of keeping a garden in your backyard. Like, yeah. it was a completely different mindset. Then. War, wartime, That's when right. when uh, the Japanese hit us at Pearl Harbor, all yeah. bets were off. Victory gardens. Like, right. we gotta, this is a whole new world that we're entering into. And who knows what's going to happen at the end of this virus crisis. The future is unknown. Right. The future is unknown. And uh, anything is possible, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. How, is, uh, how is our listenership here? They're doing good, man. Um, so far, Sam Splain has volunteered her husband to help you wrangle cattle. <laughs> <laughs> man, look, we have some people in our church that know cattle. And it's embarrassing to talk to them. <laughs> he goes, what do I know? I know books. I bought cattle. Right. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. yeah, it's like here. Oh boy, but um, I you know I appreciate all the help I can get. And trying to do it all, you know, without spending any money is also a kind little a embarrassing. Challenge. Yeah, right. it's a little little bit of a challenge. Right. But hey, right. my second goal for this is community. Mm. Um, okay. I would say in particular covenantal community. Mm. In um, in times of uh, of difficulty and in crisis. The Great Depression is the example that everyone's floating around right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one factor in making it and thriving was covenantal community. Mm. That's the number one factor. Um, going solo, right? You starve. Right. Going solo, well, I mean, you can, I suppose you can, you know, that show Naked and Afraid. You could make it 21 days solo without anything, but boy, <laughs> talk about miserable. Yeah. But the number one factor is not only skills, but that community. Just as an example, and this is something that maybe we can think about, um, we're, we're producing eggs. That's, uh, that's entry-level right. homesteading. And just about anybody could do something Anybody like- can do. That's entry-level. Yeah. Get a couple of chickens, put them in your backyard. Right. Don't let them get eaten by something. So everyone could do that and prepare. Yeah. And, and now there's a little bit of a learning curve with chickens. You know, how to care for them, how to clean up the stables, how to build the infrastructure, how to keep them alive. Right. Um, how to keep the, clean, the eggs clean and free from salmonella. There's a little bit of a learning curve. Mm. But anybody could do it. But what would be amazing is if, um, for myself, if there was a group of people who had this sort of this hobby, I guess, at this point, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but was preparing skills and passing those skills down to the next generation. Um, if people were specializing in different sorts of things, mm. you would then have a, a trade network, essentially. Yeah. So I, I could, my wife could continue focusing on uh, sourdough bread, for example. Right. Um, or, or honey. We, we produce you know, honey each uh, spring and um, fall. But then if someone else were raising quail, as an example, right. mastering that skill, learning that skill, mm-hmm. learning how to process and package mm-hmm. and, uh, and distribute quail, mm-hmm. just as one, quail eggs, right. then what you basically have is you have someone in partnership with you. You could trade all this stuff. You know, right. And when you, tray, when you trade, you know, there's no uh, you know, green paper dollars. <laughs> right. It's all barter. You don't it's have to feel bartering. the need to master 
the huge diversity of skills that are necessary. No, to be of able course to do not. You're like building that. a community. So, so homesteading and this this fun hobby is not only preparedness with skills for the mm-hmm. future, mm-hmm. but it's also a way to build community. Yeah, it's a fun way to build community. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of fun ways to build community. You can go bowling or you know football games or whatever. Yeah, um, but this is sort of creating a little trade network. People are specializing in anything, and so now I know. Okay, I can count on eggs. I can count on honey. I can count on uh, poultry. I mm. can count if I if I can figure this out on milk, mm. cheese, dairy products. But now I have these trading partners, this community. I know I can swap this for this. I got someone making lumber for me, for example. Right. I got someone who knows how to do canning. Right. I have somebody who knows how to do pork. Right. You know, or someone who has certain skills to help me, you know, inseminate a cow and and uh, and. <laughs> And allow it to have a baby without it dying. Yeah. I mean, those are skills. Those are, those are, I just, oh, boy. Those are good skills. That, that day is coming. <laughs> and i got to get ready. <laughs> oh, we just went there. So, it, just, it just happened. <laughs> well, I know. This is just a little bit of fun. And I yeah. know it seems a little bit crazy, I suppose. But the uh, analogy I was thinking of is uh, from Ezekiel. Hmm. Um, Ezekiel calls the shepherds of Israel the watchmen on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of a watchman was it was a particularly appointed person to stand atop the city walls. Right. To, to stand atop the defenses of the city mm-hmm. and to look. That's all they did was look. And if they saw a threat on the horizon, mm-hmm. or even if they thought they might see a small cloud of dust. Right. They would sound some level of alarm. Right. You know? Right. You know, full alarm battle stations or heads up alarm. They would sound the trumpet. Now, of course, the thing is when you're a watchman on the wall, everybody down in the city, they don't see what you see. Right. They don't spend all day, every day studying the Bible, Mm. studying how Christ relates with nations, studying um, certain historical precedents as it pertains to nations and the future of nations. They don't see all of those things. How are we doing? Our feet okay there? Hold on. we got to reset. Something happened. All right. Hold on, guys. We're going to reset. Are we all back? Right. I think we're back. What's up, guys? Sorry about that. For some reason, our feed dropped out there for a second, but we're back again um, mm. here in the moments. Don't know what happened with that, but... um. Man. Our internet's Well, did strong. we lose all of our watchers? We sort of... Let me check. Let me check. We've got them. We're okay. Oh, We're okay. Man. We're back. Yes. We hey, guys. A, we have a faithful partner. Sorry about that. We don't know what happened with our feed, but we're back at it now. Back in. Ready yeah. to go. Ready right to go. in the middle of a beautiful... <laughs> Illustration. The devil is a liar. <laughs> so what I was saying is that when you're the watchman on the wall and you're saying, watch out for these doctrinal errors, right? Right. Watch out for this cultural movement. Mm-hmm. Watch mm-hmm. out for this ism or that ism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Folks down in the city just living life. Right. Oftentimes they're like, big see. deal, big deal. Why is this guy always making a fuss about everything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why the Bible calls pastors watchmen on the wall, mm. because very often they do have to look a fool 
to sound an alarm mm. for something they potentially see way out on the horizon. Mm. And there's a degree of trust that has to come from the people in the city towards the person on the wall. Or at least an openness or a, a consideration. Right. Sure, sure. Um, Absolutely. I mean, now we're talking homesteading, and we're going to segue into the household because they are interrelated. Mm. But just take it from one watchman. Consider the state of our nation as it pertains to our relationship with Christ. Okay? Mm -hmm. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. It, It doesn't say righteousness exalts the Jewish state and the church and someone in their individual secret places of their heart. Mm-hmm. It says righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. This, and, and this is not in Leviticus, which many prob- people might use to dismiss such a claim. Mm. This is in the much-beloved book of Proverbs. Mm. Righteousness exalts a nation. What is righteousness? It is adherence to the revealed law of God. Mm. Another word for it is justice. The proverb goes on to say, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any peoples. Now, this is a proverb. It's generally true. Right. It's a truism. Right. Now, consider our nation. Hmm. Would we be a nation marked by adherence to the law of God? Would we be a nation marked by, generally speaking, characteristic Characteristically speaking, by justice and righteousness, right? As God would reveal it, I think most people would say no. Right. Well, any any layman in any church that preaches the Bible would agree. No, that's not the case. If we're right. talking about a nation, right? Now it's it's a generalism. It's a truism. I would say that our nation is characterized more by sin than by righteousness, hmm. and we know what that means. Generally speaking. Righteousness will exalt a nation. Sin will make it a reproach, will um, bring it down, Mm. make it sort of a byword Mm. in history. Hmm. Think about the sins, for example, of um, the nations in Scripture that were judged dramatically by God. Hmm. Three big things. This is true of Edom, of Babylon, of Egypt, Moab. All of the various nations, not the Jews, but also true of the Jews, but true of the nations around, that they were marked by unrequited bloodshed, which means murder that's not being dealt with, not being um, justly dealt with. Mm -hmm. Bloodshed, like the bloodshed of Abel that fell into the ground and cried out to God for justice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's unrequited bloodshed. Okay. All of the nations which were destroyed by God in a dramatic teaching moment for us were destroyed in part because of unrequited bloodshed. Hmm. The, the blood of the victims um, is pictured as singing, a, a, you know, crying out to heaven for justice, for justice. Hmm. Um, our nation is, if you measure it by the leader much more in danger of judgment than any of those nations if you begin to measure by leader, hmm. leader of blood. Now, of course, we're talking about abortion in particular. Right. But all the various forms of bloodshed and violence. Right. Right. Um, and uh, secondly, nations were judged dramatically in big cosmic teaching moments for um, 
sexual perversion, hmm. sexual deviancy. Sex is a part of who we are as humans. Right. God we, has a particular design for it. He has a design for it. Sexual perversions are um, a demonstration of, a, of hearts of darkness, hard hearts, mm. who, have, who have rejected God's design for life. Mm. Consider our nation. And the third main thing the nations all had in common that God judged in dramatic teaching moment fashion was apostasy. They once had the prophets of God in them. They mm. had the word of God. They had a witness to God. And there were, there were times when there were, had, revival had broken out, but they turned their back on God so that they became culpable. Mm. You know, their culpability, mm. their wrath like stored up over generations of falling away and apostatizing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Whether that be falling away from what's revealed by God in, in general revelation through creation or in, in our case, open Bibles. Right? A, a nation that is marked by unrequited bloodshed, apostasy, and sexual perversion is a nation that should scratch their head and wonder if this virus and this, the response to the virus is a message from God. Hmm. That's why I keep calling it a warning shot across the bow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is nothing compared to the demonstrations of God's judgment on a nation in the Old Testament. Right, right. Well, now that I think about it, all he did to Jericho was blow trumpets. So maybe I might need to take that back. <laughs> all, okay. they, all, the, all the citizens of Jericho did was like, somebody blowing a trumpet around here? Big deal. Right. They can't touch us. And then kaboom. Everything. So maybe apart. I need to take that back, but... We should at least be asking the question, does God have a message for us as a nation? Sure. We should be searching our hearts, not hardening them, mm. and be repenting. Well, if you read the Bible and if you're familiar with it at all, you can say, well, God is obviously in control of every single thing that happens. So there's something valid in this situation that should cause us to ask the question, what exactly is God saying to us in the midst of all this that's going on? We should say that individually. What's right. he saying to Brandon? Right. We should say, what's he saying to my family? What's mm-hmm. he saying to my church? Mm-hmm. What's he saying to my town, my state? What's he saying to my nation? Mm. You know? And just like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, how just something as simple as the stay-at-home order is forcing families to realize maybe they haven't raised their children in a disciplined fashion. Now we've got to get on top of these things. The same thing is happening with cities. Mm-hmm. starting to realize that there's a lot of lawlessness happening inside of cities. People who won't submit to something as simple as like these, <coughs> these uh, social distancing guidelines that are being put into place, and as well as the nation as a whole. We're starting to see systematically mm-hmm. this concept of lawlessness that's coming in. Yeah. When the sponge is squeezed, they say, they, what's inside comes out. Mm. Hmm. Well, with all of this being said, a warning shot across the bow can be good news. Hmm. You know, we don't have to be doomsdayers here. A warning shot across the bow is a grace, honestly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, as the author of Hebrews says, call upon the Lord while it is yet still day. You know, as long as your heart is still beating, right? as long as there is still breath in your lungs and you still have freedom, repent. Repent. 
Right. And where there is repentance, there is hope. Hmm. So a warning shot across the bow can be a great grace. Mm-hmm. God could be using this to bring about revival and the regeneration of hearts all across America. Amen. That's what our prayer should be. We should right. be praying for our nation now more than at any other time. Hmm. But generally speaking, if our nation does not repent, the alternate is hardening, hardening of heart. And the end result will be that we will be reproached. Hmm. Righteousness exalts a nation, generally speaking, but sin is a reproach to any peoples. Hmm. So as a watchman on the wall, the, the nut, <laughs> with a, half a locust hanging out of his mouth, <laughs> right? The future could be, um, you know, bleak. Hmm. The future, what's going to happen? I think all the cards are on the table at this point. Hmm. I mean, who who knows, right? Who can who can you know search the the mind of God? Who can put two and two together and figure out the trajectory of human history? No man can. Mm. But what I can do is see patterns in Scripture, see proverbs from Scripture, and I can make hey, we should at least at a minimum, you know, build up our families, you know. Get prepared. This is a, a, could be a grace from God to prepare his people. Hmm. And at a minimum, we should repent. Absolutely. Individually, corporately, as a nation. When, uh, before Rome came in to destroy Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, Jesus had told all the Christians. Matthew chapter 24, he makes it very plain. You know, you're going to see certain signs. You know, uh, Wars and rumors of wars, the uh, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome would break out. There would be certain civil wars. Um, the, there would be earthquakes, like the earthquake recorded in uh, or metaphorically mentioned in the book of Hebrews and various other earthquakes. There would be famines, like the famine mentioned in uh, the book of Acts. There would be an apostasy, a great falling away. You know, we have hundreds of examples as you read Josephus and whatnot. He gave them the signs and he said, but this isn't the end just yet. These are the birth pangs. Hmm. Right. Then he says, when you see that abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, the one spoken of by Daniel, Jesus said, when you see basically this this Gentile ruler, this prince, as spoken of in Daniel chapter nine, standing in the city of Jerusalem, standing at the temple, you know that the time is near. Run to the hills of Judah. So he says, don't go pack a bag. If you're on the rooftop, don't go pack a bag. Get out of town. Escape on foot into the hills. You know, bug out, they call it. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Get your bags. Get, get out of Dodge because it's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be something unlike has ever, ever been seen in the world. You know, it's called the Great Tribulation that came upon Jerusalem in the first century. Mm. Jesus said these things would take place before uh, this generation passes. Mm-hmm. He was very clear to his disciples that, that um, they needed to be ready for this moment. What? I have, I have no idea. Right. But I think as the people of God, we need to be listening to God in this message. We need to be prepared. Prepare our hearts first and foremost. Repent. Prepare our families. Prepare our churches. Let's not just keep, you know, keep grinding at the mill and going about life like, oh, there's just some trumpets I hear. <laughs> Bunch of crazies. 
You know? Right. You know? These guys can't touch us. This is never going to hurt us. Just a few raindrops. Just a few raindrops. Noah, you nut. You've been spending 150 years building this ark. Right. It's right. just some raindrops. Why would God be mad at us? We're the people of God. We're a Christian. Right. Oh, no. We, can, we cannot foretell the future. We cannot, under any circumstances, begin to put things together and try to figure out the trajectory of history. Mm-hmm. Solomon warns us not to do that in the book of Ecclesiastes. That will look like fools. Right. But we can see um, truisms in Scripture. Hmm. We can see precedence in Scripture, hmm. and we can at least raise the question, you know what I mean, you know, about the future, hmm. right? Right. What a prophet of God, what a minister, a watchman on the wall must never do is go around shouting, peace, peace, when there peace, is no peace, peace. It's right. just trumpets. Right. Hey, you know, uh, steady as she goes, status quo, nothing to see here, folks. No. We, we, we got to be alert got to help people become vigilant. Mm. And so I think outside of individual repentance and national repentance, what we should do is to build Christian households. Mm. And then we add this homesteading part to make the show fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Right. So. Man, I hope I hope uh, this show is going to be a blessing for folks. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we got a lot of good engagement going on online right now. I think people are going to find some some bits and pieces. At least they'll maybe start asking questions. Because think about it: like if we would have started talking about homesteads six weeks ago, people would have left yeah. and been well, like, "Who are these crazy like I said, people?" Like I said, even still, it's just fun, really. Right. It's just right. fun. But right. now there's going to be questions. And a little bit of an interest peaked as a result yeah. of things like this. Like it'll be, yeah, we're talking about homesteads for fun, but the, a little bit of the household thing. I think, but, but I am. But we are more. trying to prepare for the future, right? It the future might be amazing for another four generations, right? But from Scripture, if our nation doesn't repent, mm-hmm. if it hardens its heart, right, we cannot blindly think that the future is bliss, right? Right. So this is just basic sanctified deduction from basic biblical principles. Right. We need to be preparing for the future, building up our households, preparing our children that they might prepare their children to be faithful in their time. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. What we don't want to do is sit around saying peace, peace, that when there is no peace, blah, blah, you know, status quo. Eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow. Jesus is going to take us out of here. Right. He's going to rapture us out of here. We're never going to have to suffer as a church. We're never going to have to be discipled or disciplined. We're never going to be chastised. Things are always going to be great for us. We're going to float to heaven on a bed of roses. This is blissful ignorance, culpable Mm. ignorance. We need to be faithful in this time to Mm. sound the alarm. Mm. Who knows? Our nation might repent. Right. We might see a great awakening. Reformation could happen. Reformation could happen. But if it's going to happen, where is it going to start? In the heart, through the preaching of the gospel. Mm. And it's going to work its way out from the heart to the family, to the church, and to society at large. Mm. That's what we're up to here. Mm -hmm. That's why the number one strategy of our church is building Christian households. We want to prepare our children for the future, Mm -hmm. whether it be good or bad. It's a very long-term strategy. Yeah, the tortoise, not the hare. And... um, you know, we're definitely, we're, 
rowing against the tide, of course. We know that. Mm-hmm. It's an uphill battle. But we, we are convinced from Scripture that this is what should be done in such a time as this. And do we have any um, interesting questions as we yeah. move towards wrapping up the show? So Aaron just asked something. He says he'd love to see us flesh out the repentance concept more. The, he said he's been trying to articulate to himself what should be said about it. And we could start talking about, like, what, so what does it look like individually, corporately, mm-hmm. nationally? What does repentance look like? In that particular area. Huge, huge topic. Right. Now, we have a, a sermon series in our archives uh, entitled Understanding Repentance. Mm. You can find it at sermonaudio.com. Um, but I would say briefly um, what John the Baptist said to those who came to him at the River Jordan to be baptized. He said, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, mm. which is another way of saying obey God's law. Right. What he was saying is, if you're, if you're repentant, if you're turning to the Messiah, if you're going to prepare your heart for the coming of the king, what you need to do is keep his commandments. He told the Roman soldiers, and this is, they weren't Jews, he told the Roman soldiers, don't take from others, don't kick in people's doors and extort from them. Right? He told the tax collectors not to defraud people. He said, if you're going to prepare your heart for the coming of the kingdom, repent. Right? But bear fruits, yeah, repentance isn't just a Gnostic, invisible um, thing that happens on your insides. Right. When someone truly repents, it works its way out into all of life. Fruit is born. And it's in keeping with, I think it's important that we hang on that phrase too a little bit, in keeping with repentance. And not just, I think sometimes in some church circles that we found in Acadiana, they think of repentance as this thing you've done once. And now you move on, and you're finished with it. Now, no, we don't talk no, no, like no. that, but we might have some listeners in the feed who are following along with us. Maybe all this stuff is alien to them. When we say keeping with repentance, we mean a lifestyle of it. Repentance is something that you do every day, yes. all the time, perpetually. Yes. And we should also note that when you and I use the word repentance, we mean trust and repent. We mean faith. Right. There, there is no true faith without repentance, and there is no repentance without faith. Right. We, the gospel has been preached to us. Christ has atoned for our sins. The law that once condemned us, we've been freed from because Christ took the penalty of the law. Mm, mm-hmm. But now how should we then live? We mm. turn to Christ, and what does he show us? Here's how to live. Here's my commandments. Here's my law. Here's the light to your feet and a lamp to your path. Mm-hmm. How should an individual live? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yeah, show right. your devotion to me by keeping my commandments. What does it mean to follow me as a disciple? But learn from me. Do as I do. What, a, what it looks like for a husband to repent is first and foremost going to be a contrition over sin. Mm. There's going to be a brokenness that's brought about by the Spirit of God. Right? It doesn't mean there's going to be an emotional frenzy or something, but right. he's going to have acknowledged his sin. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in a new relationship with his sin. Mm. You know, he's going to then throw that sin upon the Lord and say, would you forgive me? Mm. Your cross has provided all that is necessary for my atonement and forgiveness, for me to be right in the eyes of God. And then Christ is going to speak to him, so to speak. Mm. Mm-hmm. All those who confess their sins, I am faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and to cleanse them of all unrighteousness. Mm. Now come and follow me. And he's going to make them fishers of men. He's going right. to um, sanctify them. He's going to take them on the path of his law 
where he, he lights their way and shows them how to live. Mm. He's going to show them the sort of good works that he has prepared for them beforehand. Mm-hmm. You don't turn from the Lord to some ambiguous, vague, nebulous sense of spirituality. Right. right. The Lord is king. He's Lord. He guides us by his commandments. So as a father, you're going to turn to him and say, how do I live Mm. in light of your atonement, in light of your kingship, in light of your grace? Mm -hmm. Now, the same thing applies, I do believe, for a nation. A nation could turn to the Lord and say, how should we then live? Mm. How should we establish policy? How should we interact with other nations? How should we care for the poor and the marginalized? Mm. How should we um, build up the family? What should we um, say yes to and no to? And they would be guided by his commandments. Mm. Um, I do believe that's what it would look like for an individual family, a nation. Um, It's got to start in the heart. Then it works its way out into the family. And you see over time, by God's grace, reformation of a society, mm. starting with repentance. So, mm. good question. Hope that got to the heart of what he's asking. I think so. I think so. Awesome. Got any other stuff? Or Aaron is Aaron is such a faithful listener. <laughs> he is, isn't he? He's always got the good questions. He encourages us, throws out <laughs> great questions. He, he even does watch parties. Uh, Noah Cowan wants to know if he should uh, buy cows to mow his grass. No, no, it's not worth it. (laughs) It's not worth it. No, no. Um, Please, nobody buy cows. (laughs) That's that's what people get out of today's episode. Yeah, everybody buys cows. No, no, don't, don't. That's not the takeaway. Raise quail. That's the takeaway. Ooh, because I'd like some. I need somebody to trade with. <laughs> Done. All right. Well, folks, it's been a great day. Yeah. Awesome. It's been a fun time. Absolutely. Guys, thank you all so much for tuning in with us. We'll be back again next. Is today Friday, tu- Thursday, Tuesday? The only day I remember at this point is Sunday. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think it's Tuesday. Pretty sure. Uh, you can tune in every Tuesday, 11 o'clock right here. We're going to be talking more about the Christian household, what it means to you know continue walking out this repentance, how to make your whole household oriented towards Jesus and his words. You can tune in here every Tuesday. Yeah, next 11. week's episode, When a Man Loves a Woman. Oh, snap. That's it. <laughs> i got to find the theme music for that. That's going to be awesome. Michael Bolton, baby. <laughs> Uh, right? Michael Bolton, huh? Uh, yeah, I think that's Michael sure, Bolton. Sure, sure. No, it's Michael I, Bolton. I haven't recently looked up his number one hits <laughs> to prepare for a karaoke party. <laughs> that has not happened. <laughs> oh, man. And then tomorrow, tomorrow we got tomorrow God, we and do God and government. God yeah. and government. We're going to be talking o'clock. about church government tomorrow. Polity. Ooh, church like government. That. Elders. Cool. Church discipline. Church courts. What? Good stuff. Edgy stuff right there. So we'll be there. Uh, we'll be on there for that. Keep a lookout for other episodes that are popping up. we got Bible study that happens on Mondays, prayer meetings that happens throughout the week, and we'll have a counseling, a regular counseling corner starting up pretty soon as a result of that. And if no, you guys have requests good. for uh, maybe content that we haven't thought of, something that you've got just general questions that you'd like some of your pastors to address in this kind of a format, feel free to tune in. Uh, ask those questions. You can send them to me, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at wearechristchurch.com, or you can message us on the Christchurch media page and we'll be happy to provide all those kind of things. Um, if yep. you want to stay in tune with text messages of what's going on with Christchurch, you can text the word Christchurch, all one word, to 97,097000 and you'll stay in tune with those things as well. Yes. That's it. Yes, indeed. Doing good. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll see you all next time.